Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jansen. My guest today is Carrie Wilkerson. She is a, let's see, how do we define, mentor, coach, advisor to businessmen and women really all over the world uh, under the moniker of the Barefoot Executive. She's also the author of a book by the same title, The Barefoot Executive, The Ultimate Guide for Being Your Own Boss and Achieving Financial Freedom. So, Carrie, always great to talk to you, and welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. So I'm sure you've told this story a million times. Um, where, where, where did the name, the Barefoot <laughs> Executive, come in? And again, I'm, I'm certain I'm not the first person to ask you that. No, no, absolutely not. And it's really not about the shoes. I mean, the nickname was about the shoes, but it really is more of a statement about working on your terms. However, back when I was pregnant with my third child um, out of four, I was running a high six-figure company from home in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and uh, just kind of doing things my way, my terms. And that means for me, no shoes, you know, yoga pants, humongous and pregnant, and just love and life. And I was coming down the stairs one day and my husband said, look at you. He said, you're a CEO of this amazing um, international company and you're just just fat and happy and barefoot and doing things your way. He said, you are a barefoot executive and you need to write a book called that. Huh. And this was in 2004. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, well, it, you know, it's 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 an evocative name that I think is a, is a good, you know, metaphor of sorts, you know, that the people hear it and they kind of get what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And and I think anytime you can do that in a couple words, uh, you've done well. So I know that you end up uh, working with, uh, particularly now with uh, business owners of sort of all fashions. uh, But I also know that you get a lot of startups and people wanting uh, to to jump into having a home-based business or business on their terms, as you uh, described it. So um, what do you tell those folks who come to you and say, gosh, Carrie, I want to start my own business. Well, the first thing I say is, are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure? Because the fact is, those of us that are in business and doing well for ourselves, um, you can testify to this. We work harder for ourselves than we ever did for anybody else. Um, The vacation time is not the same. The sick days are not the same. Um, There's no paycheck, even if you don't give your all. It, It really is a hard thing. So I I really want to make sure people know it's not just about being your own boss. It, it really is about work. It's, it's really, really work. But then the other thing I'd say is, okay, what, what can you do? And notice that question is not what do you want to do or what is your passion, but what can you do? What are your skills? What do you know? What have you been paid for in the past? What are you trained in? What can you do? And is that of value to people that have spendable income? Right. So those are just some some really basic qualifying questions that some people tend to skip over when they get all caught up and starry-eyed in the thought of, you know, owning their own business. Well, the the thing that's a little tough about that, what you just said, is, I mean, there's certainly lots of people out there saying, you know, do what you love and, and, uh, and you know, that's how you'll make a living. Um, and so there is, I mean, there certainly has to be a little element of that, doesn't there? Because it, we, you've already kind of stated it's a whole bunch of hard work and it's not very glamorous and, <laughs> and so uh, at times. Um, so, I mean, it probably helps if you actually enjoy what you're doing, right? It helps if you enjoy what you're doing. However, you can you can do really well in something you don't enjoy if you enjoy 
the outcome. If you enjoy, for instance, one of my companies was a publishing company, did really amazing in that company. Did I enjoy desktop publishing? No. I was good at it. I didn't really enjoy it, but I loved enabling those clients to work their business more efficiently. I loved working for myself, getting out of debt, and not missing a minute of my, my kids being little. You know, So right. I did love certain aspects of it, even though I didn't enjoy the technical aspects of the job. And then I found a way to build that business to a point that I could um, exit strategy into something I did love. So, you know, I also like scrapbooking and, and, you know, I do some needlework. I know that would shock most people, but I like those kind of things. But it doesn't necessarily mean I can grow a thriving, hugely profitable business there. I could make a little bit of cash there, but could I really, really support my family on that? I think that would be a challenge. Well, and I think the key there is you identified why you were doing what you were doing and in, in, in your own sense of purpose uh, right. in those businesses. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the thing the business does. Um, right. and, and I think that's a key distinction. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you also then get people that come to you and say, okay, I've got this experience and I've got this talent. You know, How do I translate that into a kind of business or the best kind of business for me? Well, you know, I think there are about five core models that businesses tend to fall, fall into. And I think knowing, being clear on a model that resonates with you and that your expertise translates to is important. I spent some time on this in the book. And those are the information model, um, the consulting and coaching model, the product model, like an e-commerce type model or, you know, a land-based commerce type model. There's cons- um Let's see, teaching. There's the referral marketing or commission-based marketing right. model, which is like real estate or financial services or even affiliate marketing online. And then there's, oh, let's see, there's one more, and that is the, hmm, I'm not looking at my list right now, but the, you know, those are basically it, information, product-driven, um, consulting, coaching, and uh, referral based, you have to say what model resonates with me. What, where do I fit? How can I translate my skill or my service? Like John, you're a consultant. Mm-hmm. You're a consultant. You also do some information marketing. You have a book. You do podcasts. This is information marketing. However, I think people need to be clear on which one model they want to start with. How their expertise best translates. You know, follow that to the fullest, and then start adding some other layers in there. So you don't suggest the empire model right off the bat. <laughs> Not right off the bat. Um, you know, if you were to look at the Barefoot Executive model, I incorporate every single business model out there, except for, um, you know, I don't represent anybody's product mm-hmm. or create mm-hmm. an actual product. Everything I do is information-based. However, when I started, it was one model sure. yeah. at a time. And that's, that falls under the category of chasing too many rabbits, which sure. is a whole other podcast. Yep. So... We can we can delve into that a little bit because I know you write about this as well. A lot of the folks you're talking with, uh, or two in the book, are home-based uh, business folks, and mm-hmm. really easy to get. You talk about not missing a moment of your child's life. Well, that can also be while you're having the big meeting, right? Uh, that moment yeah. in your child's life is going on right. in the next room or maybe at your feet. Um, so, right. you know, how do you? What's your advice for you know, sort of not necessarily separating the two, but but staying focused and and avoiding the the potential distractions. Well, there's always going to be distractions, you know, there, there, and, and most of us are the king and queen of seeking distractions because it lets us get out of what we're supposed to be doing, truthfully. Um, that's called avoidance behavior. But, um, the fact is I have four kids here and I don't, 
miss the important stuff. Does that mean I don't miss anything? Not necessarily. I've missed soccer practice before. Um, you know, I've missed a PTA meeting before, but I'm there for the important stuff, the key stuff. Um, the important thing is you have to train your family right. about your business the same way you have to create your business around your family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my kids know when the doors close, they need to wait, and that's fine. That's respect, and they need to learn that. Well, well quite my frankly, kids, if you're if you're in an office, uh, you, know, right. you, you need to teach you know whoever might come in and say, "Hey, I need help on X." That that same respect. So it's not exactly. really that different. Yeah. And so here, here's a lot of it, John. It's about framing, and it's yep. about mindset. And I know that's kind of a buzzword, but here's the deal. My family are my shareholders. And so just like a publicly owned company has shareholders you have to be responsible to, I have to be responsible to them. So that means I'm not working all the time, 24-7. It also means um, that that they have some time. They have to be trained that now is family time, now is work time. Now, part of what I have had to do, and I'll just be blunt here, I've had to um, start ignoring my smartphone. (laughs) I have. Otherwise, you can be tethered all the time. You can use it as a tool so that you can be at soccer practice and still be working, or you can use it as an excuse to be engaged with it instead of your family. So there are distractions. A couple of ways I like to manage distractions. I do what's called a power hour every day. I set the timer. Literally, I have a timer on my desk, and I turn off all incoming everything, all incoming media, incoming phone, incoming text, incoming email, incoming everything, and I work on my critical list for the day. Mm -hmm. Um, If I can't manage the distractions in my house, then that means I need to get up earlier or stay up later when there aren't any distractions. Um, I also have a rule that there's, like, no housework during the day. Like, I'm not doing laundry. I'm not cooking. I'm not cleaning the kitchen. That doesn't happen during work time. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the littlest is in preschool just two days a week. So those are the two days I do things like this. You notice the absence of a four-year-old in the background. <laughs> well, it's because uh, on the days that I do these, I schedule these purposefully for the window sure. of time she yeah. is in preschool. Yep. So there are ways around it. You, yeah. you can use your family as a reason or you can use them as an excuse. Yep. So let's move into some marketing areas um, okay. uh, because, again, I, I'm, you know, well, okay, I've got this business. i got this idea. I'm starting to produce some content or, or starting to lock my model down. How do I figure out the right market? What's your advice there? Well, you know, are they accessible? Right. Are they, how will you find them? Where are they? Are they in social media? Are they online? Are they local to you? Are they listening to the radio? Are they watching TV? Who are they and where are they? Um, and I always caution people against uh, delving into a market that they say hasn't been tapped yet. Right. Oh, nobody's in this market. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's probably a reason nobody's in that market. Yeah. Um, if they're not accessible to you online or offline, if they're too hard to get to, too hard to market to, then I suggest you back away from that market. Um, you know, are people online talking about things that you want to talk about? And, again, I'm not talking about just an online business. I'm talking about just business. If people aren't having conversations about it, it's not necessarily a valid market. What are people asking questions about on, you know, ask.com? What are they talking about in social media? What do people, you know, ask you about all the time? What are people constantly asking your advice about all the time? How do you do this? How do you do that? Um, how do you make that work? Um, does your market have spendable income? Yep. If they don't have spendable income, it's not a valid market for you. I, I It really makes me crazy when people say, oh, I want to go into the, you know, let's just say frugal housewife market. 
Okay, that's a good topic for a blog, but you're not going to build a great <laughs> income because guess what? They're frugal. Mm-hmm. They're real, they're penny pinching. They're seeking free, and it's going to be a tough market to break into profitability on. So, um, is your market accessible? Do they have spendable income? And what are they talking about? Yeah, and I, and I often tell people that's very same thing when people will say, "Well, gosh, you know, there's there's already." four or five companies doing really well in this town, in this business. I'm like, that's a sign that you need to go after because it's way easier. It's way actually, it's actually way easier to, to, to compete with somebody than it is to create a market. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, another question I get all the time, and I'm sure you do too, is, okay, I've started this business and I'm a coach now. Um, There, there are, I don't know, last count, 27 million, right, coaches. So oh, wow. <laughs> how do how do I differentiate my business? How do I, you know, how do I get noticed in that seeming sea of coaches that everybody thinks are the same? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm really glad I didn't do any market research before I started <laughs> because it probably would have made me nervous. Yeah. Um, but it, here's the thing. You and I will probably give a lot of the same advice to people. Yep. Um, you and I work with a lot of the same type of folks and um, the fact is, we could even be teaching from the same book and the same materials, and you're still going to draw people in a different age bracket, a different lifestyle bracket. Your kids are up and out of the house. My kids are all still very much here. You are probably going to draw people that tend to look to a male expert, whereas I'll draw people that tend to look for a female expert mm-hmm. or female teaching model. Um, you know, I'm more in the South. You're very much in the North. Just by the nature of your story, your gender, your style, you're going to draw different people to you. So there's that. Also, you know, make sure you're consistent with your message. Don't be a copycat. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. I don't follow other people's launches or many vlogs because I don't want to be caught up in, oh, somebody already wrote about that this week or somebody already taught that. Um, you know, I really want it to be authentically what's in my brain. And, Wait, that's and where I get all my there. ideas. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I have people that I promise you, they blog the day after me, and it's always remarkably similar. Um, but you have to not get too caught up in that. You have to – this is why one of my initial questions is, what have you done? What do you know? What right. have you been through? Because that's from – from where you come, yep. and that's what people resonate with. I don't talk about my weight or my debt or my kids because because I'm proud of those stories, but because that's what helps people resonate with me and know if I'm somebody they want to you know learn with. Yeah, it's amazing, um, and I think more people are coming around to this. But even you know, I've been doing this 25 years, and I know when I started talking about people telling their story. 10, 15 years ago even, uh, there was a real pushback. It was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to share any of my personal details. But but I think now uh, people realize it, it is a true competitive advantage. Yeah, it absolutely is. So what are some of the um, – and you talk about a number of these in the book, but uh, I, I'm a tool junkie. Um, you know, what are, what are some of your favorite sort of productivity uh, tools and apps and – Devices and techniques that you want to maybe share a handful. Well, of. let me shock everybody by saying I have not crossed over into iPhone or iPad yet. I am not an app user, yeah. really. Yeah. I'm really not um, because I know my limitations and I have an addictive personality. So <laughs> I really have to be very careful. But some of my tools, I love to use video. I love mm-hmm. to use video to communicate with my audience. I love to use video to teach clients, to right. just show them screen captures, etc. So I like jingproject.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love YouTube. YouTube is, you know, just one of my favorite tools 
out yep. there because it helps my content be searchable, findable, and shareable. And so, and it's free. So I really like that. Um, I love Google apps. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Google yep. online applications, you do have to be a little bit careful with security, but just be smart in that. I like that. I like um, autoresponders, you know, for mm-hmm. communicating with my audience, broadcasting my emails, as well as setting up preset emails. Um, I tend to use AWeber or um, One Automation Wiz, but there's also Mad Mimi and uh, MailChimp out there, too, for the free resources. Yep. Um, so those kind of things I like. But as far as a lot of apps, I like using Hootsuite to organize mm-hmm. my social media presence. That's super helpful. Um, but as far as a lot of apps, John, I just, I just really don't. I'm, I'm probably very low-tech considering I teach mostly online marketing, which is surprising. Well, I think you mentioned the, the, the very true point that, that some people can get really caught up in and use it. I mean, there are half a dozen, though, that I use that, that make my life a lot easier. Um, and so I, you know, I, I don't know that I overuse them at, at, at all, but, I mean, we, you know, I, I use Dropbox and Evernote and, you know, some tools like that that, that really allow me yeah. to, to yeah. organize thoughts, allow me to work from anywhere, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of one of the probably cool things about and and certainly all the, the Google suite of apps um, allows you to do that as well. But but some of those tools that really kind of enable this, um, you know, anywhere I can get an internet connection, I I can work, you know, because I I like you travel um, a lot t- to speak, and uh, and so it's kind of nice to feel like I'm you know mm-hmm. it's not like I've got two and a half days of downtime or something because right. I'm traveling. So uh, so that those are the kind of things I'm really drawn to. Um, yeah, I love Dropbox. Dropbox is, is super handy. So um, so let's uh, let's kind of end today on that idea of, of social media um, for the home-based business that's trying to, to, to build a following, and, and in many cases, uh, because you talked to a lot of online businesses, that following might be all online. Um, social media has really uh, uh, become a, a tremendous uh, tremendous avenue or a tremendous distraction. Where do you fall on that? I think it depends on the person. Just right. like you, you said, an app can be helpful or it can be an addict- addiction. Um, Social media can be very helpful. First of all, let me clarify, I was a late adopter because I was very skeptical about adding one more thing to what I did. But what I think was key about the business owner, especially a home-based business owner or somebody who tends to be a loner like me, social media has been tremendously important to help me not be a hermit, (laughs) (laughs) to help me feel connected, to know that other people are dealing with some of the same situations that I'm dealing with, and just to have a water cooler that I can hit and run and just have some connectivity. Otherwise, I mean, I could literally stay here at my home in the middle of nowhere, Texas, with me and the kids, and not see just a lot of adults, especially not a lot of professional adults. So that, I think, can be very important. I can't downplay its role as a prospecting tool, as a credibility building tool, as social media. I mean, as social proof, it's been very helpful. But you do need to limit your time, and you need to know your motive going in. What is your motive for being there, period? Well, well and I, I certainly advise people it's just one of the pieces in the puzzle. And so often right. you, you encounter business owners that don't have any of the other pieces. You don't have an email newsletter mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. You don't uh, have a, you're not producing blog content or content that, that you can point people back to. So... You, you know, having 45 followers on Twitter is probably not going to really do much for you if you don't have some of those other tools. Right. And, you know, the fact is I have 112,000 followers at this count, and it's still not going to do a lot for me if I don't have those other things in place. Um, because, it, you know, if, if 
7% are paying attention at any given time, you're streaming by along with everybody else. Yep. And so you, it's just really not, um, it's not the be all end all. You have to know your motive. You have to know where it fits with everything else. And you have to be building in other ways. Don't put all your eggs in that basket. That's also somebody else's real estate. Twitter could be gone tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. LinkedIn could be gone tomorrow. Facebook could be gone tomorrow. Oh, I shudder at the people that tell me that that's going to be their home. Oh, no. <laughs> and so, Google Plus can't be your new blog. No, no. It just can't. It you can't. really have to have your own real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll get full full support from me on that one. So I'm awesome. um, talking with Carrie Wilkerson, author of The Barefoot Executive, The Ultimate Guide for Being Your Own Boss and Achieving Financial Freedom. And uh, certainly you can buy the book uh, pretty much anywhere books are sold, but also, Carrie, you have a, at barefoot-executive.com. Uh, anywhere else you want to tell people where they can find out more yeah, about you? Yeah, they can. They can you can go download the table of contents and a free chapter at freebookchapter.com. That's at freebookchapter.com. And, you know, I will tell you that one of the things I really admire about the book is that, you know, it, it really comes off, and, and hopefully you understand I mean this in a good way, it really comes off as somebody who, instead of saying, I've figured everything out, as more as, hey, I've done these things, they've worked, these haven't, um, I want to share this advice with you as somebody that's really just worked really hard to get where I've got. Uh, and, and, again, I find that to be the best kind of book. And again, I mean that in the most positive way. Yeah, that uh, is very positive. And I love <laughs> to hear that. And the other thing I like to say is the Barefoot Executive is not a success book about me. Yeah. The Barefoot Executive right. is a success story about you. And it's really interactive. It has lots of rich media in there and a lot of exercises to draw out of you, your business, not brag about my business. Exactly. So, Carrie, thanks so much for joining me. Always a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you out there on the road somewhere. All right. Thanks, John. We'll talk to you later. Bye now. Bye, everybody.